I'm Kim Singletary. And I'm Rich Collins with Biz New Orleans Magazine. Welcome to Biz Talks. Each week, we reach beyond the pages of Biz New Orleans Magazine to bring you in-depth conversations with members of the business community. From the names everyone knows to the ones destined to make their mark, we'll dive into the top issues, best practices, successes, and failures of every industry that calls Southeast Louisiana home. Thanks for listening to another episode of Biz Talks. If you like what you hear each week, don't forget to rate us and leave a comment wherever you listen to your podcasts. And follow us on social media at Biz New Orleans. For more information or to contact us, please visit bizneworleans.com slash biztalks. Hi, this is Kim Singletary, uh, Managing Editor of Biz New Orleans Magazine. And today we've got a special guest. Uh, Dennis Juge. He is a director or shareholder with WC Defense. They are a, uh, a company that mostly, I guess you can tell me too, Dennis, you mostly represent companies and insurance companies um, in workers' compensation? That's correct. And um, they were founded in 1983. They have collectively tried over a thousand cases to verdict um, in both Louisiana and Mississippi. And um, he, Dennis, on his own, has he has taught insurance law and workers' compensation law at Loyola Law School, um, and he's the author of two books on Louisiana workers' compensation law. And we're going to talk today about the changes that have come about as a result of COVID nineteen. Um, so I wanted to just ask, first of all, how how is COVID nineteen treated under the current workers' compensation laws? Well, we're certainly going to find out. Um, We're starting to see claims showing up. Workers' compensation was really created back in 1914 in Louisiana and just about the same time throughout the United States. It has, of course, evolved into a little bit more generous program than it was in 1914. Yeah. the idea of a workers' compensation program is that an employer would give up the right to defend a claim that an employee may have for a work injury. Uh, we would give up the defenses of the employee's contributory negligence or even the defense that there was nothing that the employer did that caused the injury. For example, you have somebody that is working and they are lifting something at work and causes them to have a back injury. The employer may have done nothing to have caused that back injury. But if, in fact, the injury occurred at work, it would be covered under the workers' compensation law. The employee in a workers' compensation system also gives something up, and that's what generally is regarded as the quid pro quo of a workers' comp system. The employee gives up the ability to sue an employer for pain and suffering and, you know, full amount of lost wages for the rest of their life. Um, Their claim is limited to a 66 and two thirds of their average weekly wage, uh, subject to a maximum comp rate. Uh, 
In other words, you may have somebody that has a very high wage earner, but every year they recalculate what is the maximum comp rate. So an individual would be limited based on uh, the maximum compensation rate at the time of the accident. So we have uh, a system that uh, is intended to protect employees so that they have a rather quick uh, response to their needs rather than, you know, in an auto case, the insurance company doesn't automatically take care of all the medicals and uh, take care of their lost wages. You know, the auto insurer may say, no, you, we don't owe you anything, or if we do, it may be several years before it's paid. But in a workers' comp system, the emphasis is if in fact it's a work-related condition, it's going to be taken care of quickly. Uh, otherwise, the employer will be faced with uh, some penalties and uh, attorney's fees. So it, it is a system that is designed to be quick in responding to a condition. Now, we have generally uh, two types of claims that somebody can make. One would be an accident. Uh, which we all can kind of figure what that's right, all about. Yeah. And then the other area that workers' compensation is designed to take care of is occupational diseases. Traditionally, in workers' compensation, we're talking about diseases that occur over a period of time. Uh, for example, uh, people who work in shipyards years ago were exposed to asbestos. Mm -hmm. And over years, developed asbestosis and sandblasters um, would, over time, develop uh, silicosis from sandblasting. So what's kind of unusual about coronavirus is that it's not, it is a disease, but it isn't a disease that you could say someone was exposed over a long period of time. It's a, a rather sudden exposure. And one exposure is all that's needed. Well, and with the other examples that you gave too, it's a pretty cut and dry. Like if, if, if they're exposed, they, there has to be the presence of asbestos and that right. doesn't exist everywhere. <laughs> that's right. So and the other thing about an occupational disease claim is that in Louisiana workers' compensation, the employee has to be able to show that the disease is peculiar to the employment. Yeah. So a sandblaster, yeah, okay, you're a sandblaster. You've got silicosis. Uh, mm -hmm. You're working in a shipyard. You're exposed to asbestos. Uh, that, that, you know, that's peculiar to your employment. When you get, uh, let's say, Let's say somebody's got uh, pink eye. They can say, well, one of my other workers, they also had pink eye. Right. Um, but you could have gotten that anywhere. In other words, there was nothing about your job that is peculiar to exposure to that condition. Now, in the coronavirus situation, we know there are certain 
types of employment that clearly are exposing these people beyond the general public. Uh, right. your, your healthcare workers, your first responders, uh, people who, uh, I mean, we also have other grocery types. stores. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got you got bus drivers, uh, grocery store, pharmacy clerks, uh, people work in hardware stores. Um, so we're beginning to see that there is a possibility that someone could actually point to their employment as a source of their exposure. So they would have a problem, however, still qualifying this as an occupational disease uh, because they would definitely have to show that it was peculiar to their employment. I think healthcare workers, that's less of a, a problem, but an office worker, uh, there's nothing peculiar to that employment that would mean that they would get coronavirus. So what we expect to see in Louisiana, and you probably will see it in other states, is that the attempt by the attorneys representing a claimant in a situation where you're not a healthcare worker, for example, mm -hmm. they will turn to the accident case law and argue that even though this is a disease, it's a disease that was uh, caused by, quote, an accident, which is a sudden kind of exposure, one-time exposure that brought on the disease. And we've got cases in Louisiana where that would be supported. We've had uh, cases where hospital nurses had uh, needle sticks uh, that resulted in disease of some sort, but it was an accident, not a long-term exposure. Uh, mm -hmm. We've got uh, a flea bite case where if somebody can point to working in an area where there were rats, they had to do some cleaning and they were bit by a flea and resulted in typhus. And that was considered an accident, although it resulted in a disease. And of course, the most popular, the most well-known uh, case would be uh, where somebody was bitten by a mosquito and, and they had the West Nile uh, disease. So there's, there are prior cases and examples that someone could turn to to argue that, okay, it's not an occupational disease that's peculiar to our employment, but we can show an accident. So how would that work? So if you're in an office environment and you're, you know, everybody's being called to come back in and your coworker that sits next to you gets sick and then and goes home or whatever. And then, you know, whatever, 10 days later you get sick. Is right. that covered under workers comp? That would be the type of claim that we are beginning to see. In other words, if you were, if it was the first person to, to right. come down with it and there was no one else in the office that we can see that 
had the uh, coronavirus, that first person is not likely to be successful uh, because there are other areas where they could have right. uh, incurred the exposure. But when you already have someone in the office that you can document had the, exp the condition and another person in the office, particularly someone who may be working in close proximity, that's where you're likely to see a successful claim. Um, relying on the accident uh, case law. Okay. And so, I mean, this is, I'm sure, a little scary for both employees and employers. Um, and so how do you, <laughs> as an employee, I, I've seen, you know, a lot of people being, um, pretty slow to bring people back to work and that might be part of the reason. Um, but how do you, how do we move forward if there's not going to be a vaccine for a year and a half, two years? Um, what do you, is there advice that you'd have for employers um, as, as far as kind of mitigating their risks? Well, I think by now every employer that has any significant uh, staffing of, people working uh, has developed protocols for their employees so that uh, they as best they can try to limit the person-to-person uh, -person exposure and making it clear to all of the employees that if you have any doubt about whether you may have a condition possible coronavirus that they immediately go to get tested and at that point the employer is going to want to kind of keep an eye on other employees that may have been exposed uh, to make sure that they're protected and uh, uh, get medical treatment as you know as we've seen in the press uh, on, on the news most individuals who are exposed, uh, many of them have no symptoms. Right. Uh, and then you're going to have um, some that are going to, uh, particularly, you know, your younger workers are going to have a period of exposure uh, and need to be isolated uh, until they recover. But we're really dealing with only a very rare number of individuals who are going to have a significant right. uh, reaction to this condition. And so certainly your older uh, employees, you, you really have to be careful and protective um, because they're the ones that are going to be more vulnerable. Absolutely. So if they have all those things in place, if they say, okay, everybody has to wear masks and we're going to be doing the full cleanings and right. um, does that help protect them in any way? Well, it certainly protects them in the sense that it reduces the likelihood that they're going to have a claim. Okay. Um, now. But if they have a claim, they if they have, say, if they have all of this stuff right. and therefore if it's they not have valid. A, they have a claim, and at that point, it really is going to be a, a question of, okay, 
you're, you're claiming that you developed this or you were exposed to this at work, you better have evidence of how did that happen? If there's nobody else at work that has that uh, coronavirus, then it's unlikely that you'll be able to point to the employment as the source. Okay. And then if you have, so if someone did get sick and you have an office of say 50 people, is, is it just the people closest to them that you, that are going to be, I guess, most likely to be, have a successful claim or is it anyone, if you have big things like shared spaces or, you know, right. No, I think I think certainly the the closer they are working, the more likely you can show the connection. Okay. But but it, it would be difficult to to argue that if you have people in the same office uh, building and they do mingle and they uh, have some kind of a mixing of uh, exchange of with other employees, it would be difficult to to avoid the, the likelihood that there's a connection. Mm -hmm. It's that first it's that first case that is is important because if you have that first case and there's no one else at work that has that condition, that first person is unlikely to be successful because they they won't be able to establish how the workplace is the cause of their uh, disease. But once you have one, it really opens that door. Right. Yeah. Once you got one, uh, it's going to be much easier for other people uh, to make a similar claim. Okay. And um, if they so there's. Do you see this as being like industry wide? Is this going to be something that you're going to have just a flood of claims and it's going to really affect the insurance industry? I, I really don't see this as a, a type of claim that is going to have a massive impact on um, the cost of workers' compensation. Uh, because if you it's only in those very rare cases that you're going to have serious right. uh, uh, results. So most of the cases, um, you're, you're probably just dealing with a, a few weeks of lost wages mm -hmm. and and some medical, which most of them probably are taking care of through their company's health insurance. So. I don't, I, I really don't see a lot of incentive for attorneys who represent claimants um, to be out there looking for Corona cases. You know right, what I mean? Right, yeah. It's, it's just not likely to be a very profitable, um, particularly for the cost of, of proving uh, the claim. Yeah. Most of the most of the um, plaintiff attorneys in workers' compensation, uh, what, what they're looking for is an employer who is not correctly paying benefits 
for let's say an accident mm -hmm. um, because we have um, a penalty statute that is a pretty good draw for plaintiff attorneys. I mean, it's a $2,000 penalty that goes to the employee for a wrongful denial of benefits. And then the attorney gets whatever the court decides is a reasonable attorney's fees. So employers have an incentive to make sure they are handling their workers' comp claims correctly. Um, yeah. It, 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 can, it can be expensive. So I have one last question. Um, kind of on the flip side, because of all of this, we have a lot more employees working from home. Um, how does that, does that affect workers' comp in any way? Because your work for, your workplace is now people's home places. Yeah. Yeah. And that, I think, is where we're going to see some very interesting case law developing. Because let's say somebody is working at home and they're, uh, they're going to, they're printing something up and they're going to the printer and they trip and fall. Uh, at, if that fall occurred at work, clearly the injury would be regarded as covered under the workers' comp law. Mm -hmm. Now the employer is going to have to, dis, you know, the, in the cases, the courts are going to have to decide uh, if it's not an accident that happened on the employer's premises, uh, which means it's not in the course of employment, uh, did it arise out of the employment? Well, then you're going to have maybe an unwitnessed accident mm -hmm. and the employer is going to maybe suspect that they could have uh, been walking outside doing something else and now they want to claim that it was work-related. Um, I think we're going to have, yes, this is going to be a, a, a new area of law that we're going to have to deal with because uh, I could see when an employee has a legitimate argument that, look, I was working. The employer wouldn't allow me to be in the workplace. Right. Uh, and I was required to work here. And, and if I have an accident where I am working, it ought to be covered. But as an employer, so you don't have any control over all of these people's faces. That, that's right. And that, that is going to be the really interesting problem for the courts to deal with. Uh, is, is it fair to have the employer responsible for an accident that happened in an area, as you point out, that we have no control over the, the safety of that space. Well, that's really interesting. Um, well, so Dennis, thank you for joining us. I know you have you guys have offices in Metairie and in Covington. And um, if people wanted to reach you, ask you some more questions, you're at wcdefense.com. Yep, workers comp defense, wcdefense. Com. Awesome. I really appreciate your time today. And um, yeah, keep us posted. Maybe we'll do a, a follow up at some point of, of the new new changes that have happened <laughs> in workers' comp as sure. a result of all this. Well, thank you. Enjoyed it. Thank you.